Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. Welcome to Nonprofit Everything, the podcast where hosts Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding answer your questions about all things nonprofit. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. You may have heard a giggle from, or I don't know, I don't think Andy giggles, but you may have heard a chuckle, right? I'm a giggler, you're a chuckler, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll chuckle or snort. <laughs> anyway, you heard a chuckle because we were just talking about what we're, you know, as we're recording this, where we're looking. And I'm in a little library in my house looking at lots of random signs and books and things that make these openings a little bit tougher because I'm trying to draw inspiration from just a whole huge library of books. And yes, CDs. Don't even talk to me about that. That's my husband's thing. Yes. Who has CDs anymore? My husband does. Okay. All right. I got the rant out. That was very therapeutic. Now, Andy was like <laughs> looking outside at the at the bees, right? The birds and the bees, right, Andy? Yeah, there's there are birds out there right now. There's, there's a bunch of finches and then my neighbor has a bunch of pigeons on her roof. So, yeah. And then some plants, some uh, rosemary that's covered in flowers that are also covered. Oh, and a hummingbird. Right as I said that, a hummingbird flew by. So, yes, I'm looking out at um, a, a pastoral landscape. How's that? <laughs> See, so that's way more inspiring. So I think I'm going to try to mix it up next time we record. But wherever you're joining us from today, I hope it's somewhere inspiring for you. And so appreciate you tuning in. We always uh, appreciate people who subscribe, people who give us ratings, people who send us the questions. So please, as a friendly reminder, uh, we would appreciate any and all of those things. And you know where you can find us, nonprofiteverything.com and some of the, you know, the social media. You can just do a search and find us there. And uh, in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for being with us. We struggle with getting much social media engagement. We've heard of other nonprofits using influencer campaigns. How do you build an influencer marketing program for your nonprofit to generate better awareness, engagement, and fundraising opportunities? This is such a great question because it's something that I think is on a lot of people's minds these days. And social media certainly is not uh, my strong suit. I will share what I've seen others do that I think is kind of cool. I don't know if it's the right strategy. So I think a guest expert could really help us out here. So sometimes you hear organizations who want the celebrity influencers, right? They want the huge names with the 100,000 million plus whatever followers, you know, they've got a huge following. And I think people get really lofty. How many times are you in a board meeting for a younger organization and the board's like, oh, well, so-and-so has their residency here or they're performing here. Like they can be our influencer or whatever. Like it's crazy stuff, right? So people have these pipe dreams. So, and and what I think works better is to think about like what I've seen organizations do is find some of their key constituents. Like, you know, do, do they have staff that they want to give some basic training to who can become their advocates in the field? And, you know, everyone's kind of gets a primer so that it's not just, you know, and I know there's pros and cons to this, like, right, dangers and risks with it as well. But like, but 
have engaged staff or maybe they've got um, existing fans, social media fans and followers that they reach out to and say, hey, like you always seem to like or comment on our stuff. We appreciate what you do to just sort of show your support. Can we enlist you as a volunteer, kind of one of our ambassadors that does this even more frequently and maybe more intentionally? So I've seen like outreach like that. And I've also seen really cool strategies where groups will do a brainstorm when they're serious about this, about what other related industries are, you know, would someone who whatever is food blogger for like a food bank, as an example, like, you know, would, or someone who's a health blogger and cares about health related, like who are notables in out, outlying fields that really have a good following, but perhaps aren't the level of the big, you know, like a Taylor Swift, whatever. I, she's on my mind because she just performed, but uh, in Vegas, but whatever, like finding those people who have a following in their own kind of niche market and then figuring out if there's a way to partner with them in some some fashion to kind of bring them in. So that takes more work, strategy, time, and intention. And yet, I think that's kind of a clever way and it makes, you know, sometimes those people feel really good because they're doing something for you and you're also, you know, helping expand your network through them. So those are a few that I've seen, but I can't wait to hear from an expert who does this professionally because they may totally counter everything I just said. Tell me it's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> and with that, let's segue immediately to our guest expert. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I am excited today to welcome a guest expert and a friend, Nick Lynch with Kaleidoscope. Nick, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're involved with the nonprofit sector and what it is that Kaleidoscope does? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, my name is Nick Lynch. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Kaleidoscope IO. You know, for the past 15, almost 16 years, I've been based here in Los Angeles. professionally mostly focused on building solutions for advertisers and brands to better target their audiences on, on digital and social media, really help cultivate and, and develop solutions and technology over those, you know, almost a decade and a half um, to really help brands just be better at advertising. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. Um, I've been a part of the Make-A-Wish family ever since they sent me to Disneyland when I was three. Very, very much involved with the Make-A-Wish chapter here in Los Angeles for about the last seven years. And when COVID um, started and the pandemic started in early 2020, and I started to see uh, nonprofits not be able to do in-person events, the first thing I thought of is, is, is what are nonprofits going to do to generate revenue? Um, and, you know, being so close to the Make-A-Wish organization here and just sort of being um, as philanthropic as I can, sort of generally, the first thing I thought of is, is I knew that from a corporation and a brand perspective, corporate social responsibility, um, cause marketing, and all things being sort of a good corporate citizen were very much in demand from consumers. There were billion dollar budgets that are being allocated by these brands to do good, essentially. And I knew that I could unlock those budgets if I provided some layer of reporting and analytics around the partnerships that were taking place between corporations and nonprofits. I also knew 
um, through my work in advertising and marketing that influencer marketing was sort of this emerging medium. It was the next big type of uh, marketing opportunity for advertisers to use in order to generate awareness, engagement, and ultimately sales for their brands. And I knew that uh, creators or influencers also wanted to be a part of something that was meaningful, that was value and vision aligned in terms of what their sort of values were. And so I knew that if I could connect brands, nonprofits, and social media influencers, and then measured the efficacy of those partnerships, that there could be more dollars into this sort of impact ecosystem. And that's sort of the genesis of Kaleidoscope. We started that in early 2020. Fast forward three years, we've kind of jokingly become the Deloitte of social good, where we really sit in between nonprofits and corporate partners, where there is media, marketing, and measurement opportunities to really create essentially moments and social moments and marketable moments and, and impact moments between these partnerships at scale. That's awesome. And I'm so glad you're here because once you hear this question, you'll know why we wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so here you go. We struggle with getting much social media engagement. We've heard of other nonprofits using influencer campaigns. How do you build an influencer marketing program for your nonprofit that generates better awareness, engagement, and fundraising opportunities? Man, I, I love that question. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, you know, again, this is sort of a, um, uh, you know, obviously a selfish answer because of the business we're in. But when I look at the work that I've done personally, even before we built Kaleidoscope and now having been really entrenched in impact work and mission work, I, I fully believe that the core tenets of anything that a mission-driven organization does is either you have to be a great storyteller or you have to be a great community builder. And that's ultimately where everybody should start. Those are the basics. And I think they get overlooked constantly and all the time. It's really easy to think about the tactical pieces of, oh, like I need to make sure that I follow this Facebook algorithm or Instagram algorithm or, you know, figure out all the tactical pieces of being really good at social media, which are important. But I think that if you were to take a step back and go, are we telling the right story to the right people in the right ways? And are we building community with value and vision aligned people? And are, are we able to do that at, at scale? And if you are able to look at those things at a high level and then apply that to influencer marketing, I feel like that is where you get real value. And what I mean by that is that when you look at influencer marketing as a whole, yes, it's a marketing tactic. Yes, it allows you to do better engagement, create better awareness and, and ultimately drive funds. But I, I, I arguably would say that influencer marketing is the best way to storytell and to community build in this sort of vast, you know, digital ecosystem that we're in. And so I think that step one is if we can all look at our storytelling and our community building strategy and figure out how we can find like-minded people to help amplify that, that's, that's the real value of influencer marketing um, and really thinking through how can we start collecting and building and, and, and generating relationships and partnerships with influential people, with creators, with influencers, whatever the other terminology you want to call them, but really figure out how do we do that in a way that amplifies our storytelling and amplifies our community building opportunities. So for, for nonprofit listeners that may have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, like, can you, can you tell us what we mean when we say influencer marketing for social media? 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, the influencer marketing is almost a decade old um, marketing tactic. Many people think of like Kim Kardashian or uh, a Selena Gomez or, you know, some of these huge celebrities that have hundreds of millions of followers on social media as like influencers. And yes, 
they are influencers. However, in the past almost decade now of influencer marketing becoming a legitimate and very real and very valuable tool for marketers to communicate to their to their consumers, anybody and everybody that has a presence on social media is technically or could be considered an influencer, right? Everybody has some type of influence um, on on a particular group of people. I, the example I always use is that I am by no means what you would maybe think, typically consider an influencer, but I do have people that follow me on in, on social media. They probably know that I like I'm a nerd and I like sci-fi and I like certain TV shows and books or music. And if I were to make a recommendation about a movie I just saw or a book I read that more likely than not, the people that follow me would probably go see that movie or maybe go buy that book. That's essentially leveraging some type of influence and an example of what influencer marketing could be. So if you, if you think of it through the nonprofit lens, you know, identifying people, and this could be board members, this could be people that are already donors or on your mailing list. I mean, you don't have to look that far to find influencers that could be beneficial to supporting the amplification of your story and the community building, but, you know, identify people that have some level of reach or some level of following on social media to work together and to collaborate on communicating mission objectives, mission goals, events, uh, fundraising initiatives, anything that's related to your mission so that you can help, so they can help you better broadcast and amplify your mission across social media. That's interesting. So I think that the pretty common analog that you'll see that most nonprofits have been doing for years and years is how they select board members. So you may pick board members because they are wealthy or they happen to work for a corporation who gives away funds and you want to be part of the group that gets those funds. But you're also picking people who you think are going to be able to get to their networks, um, whether from fundraising perspectives. And so for this, you're really just kind of taking that and adding the social media element up on top of it. Yep, 100%. And LinkedIn is for sure still considered a social media platform. It is one of the most valuable platforms for uh, nonprofits to leverage, particularly when they partner with their board. I see it all the time. I've helped build sort of media kits or media packages that are very easy for their board members to sort of cut and paste messaging or images to their to their LinkedIn profiles or to their LinkedIn posts to generate awareness, engagement, and fundraising. So it's very much... Um, very, very true what you just said in terms of, you know, leveraging your board is sort of your, maybe your first line of influencer marketing. Yeah. So, so kind of, I think maybe first blush thinking at the question, somebody's thinking, well, you know, Ariana Grande is not going to be interested in my nonprofit, right? So why would I be concerned with influencer marketing? <laughs> but that's not really what you're talking about. You're thinking because most, I mean, most funds, most organizations are really local. They're, they're, it's a local community. It's a small group of people that are interested in a mission that's very sort of, uh, geographically bound. And so when you're thinking of a, an influencer marketing campaign, you are thinking of this, this geographic barrier as well. Yep. 100%. And there's influencers of every niche, every geography. I mean, it, it runs the full gambit. And I think that's the most amazing thing about what people are now calling sort of the creator economy, which I just as an aside is while there's already 50, there's 50 million people already that contribute to this creator economy or the influencer economy today, 30% of the United States kids have an aspiration as their career to be a YouTuber or a vlogger. Uh, and it's a it's over a hundred billion dollar a year 
uh, you know, business. So it's very much a real thing. It's no longer just people doing dances or, or tutorials on social media. I mean, it's people have platforms and people have opinions and those people are spread all over the world, interested in very unique and specific, you know, different things that no matter what, where you are and the size of your mission or your organization and the, the audience or the focus that you have more often than not, or more likely than not, there are some or many, many influencers that you could reach out to, not just a, or Ariana Grande or a big celebrity, but some of the, what they call micro influencers that maybe have a couple thousand or 10,000 people, which usually happen to be the most effective partners because the people that are following them are really sort of leaning in and uh, checking their, their platform and their content and really are a, very, very real participant in this influencer's content. So if they were to say something about an organization or a mission that is near and dear to them or near and dear to their city, they are more likely than not to, to do really whatever the influencer suggests them to do. Go check out a website, go donate a couple bucks, whatever it is. Um, so that's, I think, the beauty about this is that influencers are so distributed and so diversified um, that there is somebody for everybody. That's interesting. So is there a sort of a baseline level of social media participation that's required to get this up and running? If you were going to give somebody like, here's the step-by-step things you need to think about, yeah. like where, where should somebody start? Recognizing that a lot of our audience is like one person nonprofits. It's a board with no staff. It's like tiny little organizations and they're thinking, oh my God, this is just one more thing. <laughs> right. And it always is in this space, right? It's like, okay, one more thing to think about. So I, I hear it. Um, you know, and we've actually done a lot of work uh, uh, around sort of distilling this process down to a very sort of uh, tangible and digestible step-by-step process. Um, but the, 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 after we sort of come to a, a consensus or agreement about everything starts with storytelling and community building, the next thing that I always talk about is just really think about your goals here. What are the goals of actually using influencer marketing, which I actually think should be sort of the first step in using any type of marketing is what is your exact goal in doing this thing? Because, you know, I run to, into uh, organizations all the time that think they need to be on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all of these other platforms all at the same time. You don't need to be everywhere all the time. You need to have a clear goal and you need to be really, really good at that one goal on that one particular platform. So same goes for influencer marketing. And there are three sort of core goals that we always focus on or think through when we're developing influencer marketing campaigns. The first one is, are you trying to generate awareness? Do people, do we just need to get people to see your name, hear an initiative or a program that you're doing, get, you know, eyeballs on your messaging? Like, do we just need people to be aware of who you are? If not, the second goal is engagement, right? So do I, do I need people to like, share, comment something about a program or my mission? Do I need somebody to click on something to, to go to a website or see, to, to see more information about who I am? Like what's, what is the you know, engagement goal? And if it's not awareness, if it's not engagement, which is awesome if you don't need those things. And the third one really is, is just a straight ahead sort of call to action, appeal, donate or buy, you know, something then, you know, really think through, okay, well, what, what is it exactly do I need them to do? Do I need them to donate? Do I need them to send them to a particular page? Whatever the case may be, but start and focus with the goals. Because once you understand what your goals are, then you can start to think about the types of influencers and which platforms that you would want to align those goals to. But without knowing the exact goals, you can't really clearly articulate to those influencers once you find them. And you definitely won't have an idea of, the types of influencers that you would want to reach out to because it's really no longer, you know, in the old, in the early, early days 
uh, of influencer marketing, which we've, which I personally have been in for almost seven and a half years now. So it's been a long time, almost since the very beginning. You know, it was almost good enough to just find somebody with a couple hundred thousand followers or a million followers, pay them some money, and then whatever happened, happened. Now you can be very strategic about the kinds of influencers you use, how much of a following they have, how engaged people are with their content. And you can use those particular parameters to really start to, you know, slot them or bucketize them into the types of goals that, that you're trying to achieve. So again, example of this would be if all I want to do is have just a bunch of people be aware of whom I am and, 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 you know, get as much reach as possible, then maybe go find, you know, some influencers with a couple hundred thousand or a million followers that, you know, are aligned vision and value with your organization and your brand or your, 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 your cause. If it's not that, and you want, you know, people to really, you know, click on a link or go and donate, then maybe find some of the more smaller niche um, influencers that maybe have smaller audiences, but highly engaged and highly uh, likely to do some, some type of action that they're asking for. So that's, I think that would be number one is just understand what the goals are so you can start aligning your individual influencers and the particular platforms that you would want to work on. And is there, can you imagine the pipeline from that awareness and that participation to, to like fundraising? Is there, do we make that connection or is that unnecessary? Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it, there is a connection there for sure. And, and ultimately like if you can, if you can build a strong community around anything you're doing and, you know, be really clear and articulate what the goals are of, of what you want that community to do, then mm-hmm. fundraising for sure can be a, a clear line to that. But what I've, what I've found is that in influencer marketing, and again, I, maybe this could probably apply to, to most marketing, though unfortunately it doesn't happen, is that if you can be really clear about the goals that you have, what you want to say to achieve those goals and who you want to partner with to achieve those goals, then it becomes very easy to start operating on a regular basis in a repeatable fashion around those things. Cause you're no, you're not just going and saying, all right, well, I, I want to do this thing. I, I want to generate a, a bunch of money. and I'm going to talk to somebody about it and let's see if we, it comes up, you know, that we, that we make it happen. And I can't tell you how many influencers just get those kinds of emails from everybody. Hey, I like what you say. Your content's great. I have this thing. Would you post about it? Well, that doesn't really give specificity into what you want them to say about it, why they're specifically value to valuable to that particular partnership. And ultimately what does that partnership do for you? Right. So, you know, I think, it, I think the more specific you can be about those goals and, and, and what you want, how do you want to achieve it, who you want to achieve it with and the, and the whys around it, then I think you'll be much more um, successful in these partnerships and ultimately raising dollars. So for the, the groups that you've worked with, um, like what size are they usually? Are you work with big organizations? Do you have any baby organizations you work with? Yeah, I mean, we've worked with organizations of all shapes and sizes, uh, and we've helped orchestrate campaigns that cost zero dollars, and we've orchestrated campaigns that cost in the high five and high six you know figure campaigns. We've done the full gambit. Um, and so it, it, the, the process works no matter what is the size and what, uh, what is the, the budget ultimately, right? Because, again, I think that if you can be really clear about what your goals are and align the people that have the parameters that would help you achieve it, it essentially is going to work. Um, because, again, arguably influencer marketing is, is, is the most valuable medium to communicate to, a, to the broadest uh, group of people across social media, not just young people, um, but now, you know, the demographics are so diverse across social media as a whole 
um, it's just a great way to get max, maximum reach and diversity. So I think as long as you follow our, our process, um, doesn't matter what size you are or what budgets you have, um, ultimately you'll, you will achieve success slowly but surely. And do you have to, is it something like, you know, one of the things that we know about um, direct mail acquisition campaigns is that you're, you're sort of spending money, but that you don't expect anything back, but, and you need to continue working on it for years and years and years before there's any kind of payoff. Is this something that you really need to commit to a long-term, a long-term process to see the benefits of it? Or is it something you can just like dump some money in and see what happens? It, it, it can be both quite, quite honestly. I think that, that, you know, again, I'm super biased because I've been in it for so long and in the business that we do, but, but influencer marketing can satisfy sort of the, the entire, what we call like the full market funnel, right? Not only the top funnel, which drives awareness, but ultimately the bottom funnel activity, which drives action, right? So you can use influencers in so many different ways that not only can, can help you generate leads and, and emails and the things that you would need to cultivate and some of the other um, existing marketing tactics that you're doing, but ultimately you can turn it on and ask somebody to, to, to help push a, a donation campaign and see dollars too. So it just depends. It ultimately really depends on, and I sound like a broken record, but ultimately it just depends on the goals that you have and how you want to leverage it. But, but influencer marketing is sort of that marketing Swiss army knife that allows you to, to leverage it in so many different ways that you can, you literally can turn it on and, and generate revenue or you can turn it on and generate, you know, emails or you can turn it on and just generate a ton of eyeballs on your content. It just, it just depends on, you know, what, what, what tool in the, in the Swiss army knife you want to leverage at that time. So if, if a nonprofit was interested in something like this, what, what kind of budget would they be looking at to, to do something successfully? Yeah, for sure. So there's four ways that we suggest thinking about budgeting for influencer marketing. So two of them are free, or I guess mostly free, and then the other two um, do allocate some budget. So let's talk about the the free ones first. Ultimately, if you have done your homework and you have articulated your goals and the messaging around those goals and have identified, you know, influencers – that you think would provide value and you can can clearly articulate why you think they would provide value. If you were to reach out to those influencers and ask them to do a donated post, having all of that research and communicate the the hows and the what's and the why. So they feel like that you really understand why they would be valuable. You have a high likelihood that they would probably donate a post one, not multiple, but you would most likely get a post. So I think just straight ahead, getting, getting to an ask is super important as long as the ask is very specific and very clear that you have a well thought out reason why they should be a part of it. Not, you know, obviously the alternative is again, they have a high reach or they have lots of followers and you ask for a post. They'll probably ignore it. But if you are very, again, very intentional about your outreach and why you have a high likelihood of getting something for free. So I think that's, that's one way to think about it. The other way to think about it is a lot of organizations when, when we do, events or galas or corporate partnerships there is in-kind donations there's merch there's apparel right there's all of these things that have been donated or have have been created for the particular event you can absolutely do sort of again the same tactics of identifying an outreach for an influencer but instead of asking for something for free maybe hey can i send you a shirt and could you do a quick you know uh post about or walk in a, in a month or two that, and, and you wear the shirt or we got a, a hotel room donated in your, in, in Philadelphia. 
Um, and we, since you're a, you know, a big supporter of, of the, our causes in Philadelphia, we'd love to provide that, whatever it is, but you can barter um, with these influencers as well. And again, most more like more than likely than not, if you've done your research and can communicate it, they will again, donate something for free. So I, those I think are two ways that are often overlooked. Um, they do require a little bit of research, but I think if you do your research and you can clearly articulate, again, you have a high likelihood of getting something donated for free at least, at least one time. Um, is those things. The third one is, is, is leveraging corporate partners. So the, there's a, you know, a good example I always use is there's a lot of nonprofit organizations have that have partnerships with um, local retailers, large retailers that uh, maybe are doing a, a percentage of, of sales, or maybe they're doing a roundup campaign. They're also marketing their business on a, on a semi-regular basis, most likely. So they would probably do some type of influencer campaign that promoted their brand that also had some sort of mission message or impact message involved. So there's an opportunity maybe to have your corporate partner, maybe subsidize a co-marketing opportunity or, or fully pay for a co-marketing opportunity around driving people to, to donate. I, I am still shocked that I don't see this more, but I mean, large, large organizations all the time, you know, huge retailers are doing these roundup in these uh, percentage of sales campaigns. And the fact that they don't market these more and leverage influencers and, and like more integrated marketing with the mission, I'm, I'm shocked because every time an organization and a brand do these types of, um, you know, partnered collaborations and marketing efforts, the performance and the brand um, perception of all of those go way up. So it's like it's dollars well spent for the corporate partner. So um, that is another instance where, again, either it could be free or almost free, depending on the corporate partnership. Um, the fourth piece, obviously, is then allocating some dollars to it. Um, what we always do is whenever we go out and reach out to a influencer where we, where we do have some budget, we, and when they send us their um, sort of their rate card or what it would cost to do an, an influencer campaign, I always ask for their nonprofit rate. And, and, and most of the time, there is some, some discount, right? So those are like the four, when I think about budgeting, I mean, I've, and I've done campaigns, like I said, for free, for oh, $0, and I've had, uh, you know, campaigns don or posts donated, and I've done things that in the six-figure out. But all, I've used portions or all of those four different types of budgeting tactics to help you know, really, really drive costs down and increase performance. That's awesome. It makes a lot of sense too. Like, because we, we do use some of those tools already. You're talking about, you have a gala event, you're going to have a silent auction. And so used to asking for things for, for an activity, it's just a different kind of thing you're asking for. Makes a lot of sense. So I'd, I'd love to hear if you can, an example of like something that's worked really well, something that you thought, um, that was using influencer marketing that, that turned out better than you expected. Yeah, no, my, I mean, my favorite one, I think might be one of the first ones that we ever did as when we started, like officially started Kaleidoscope. It was with an organization, a longstanding hundred year plus organization. Um, they had, they were essentially working on their first ever like digital event um, in, in, in the beginning of COVID they had never done one before, and interestingly enough, they had actually never even measured any of their marketing efforts for their types of um, campaigns. So um, it was really interesting to do all this because um, that's a core tenet of what we do: is not only find everybody to help do these things, but obviously measure the analytics behind it. Um, and so, you know, the goal was really: is how do we promote a digital event that they've never done before? How do we then, 
use that promotion to drive uh, signups to the event and ultimately purchases of, I think they were selling an item as part of it. And then, you know, drive actual email um, signups to their newsletter as well. So there were a couple of different KPIs that we were, we were tracking. And so um, we had some, some paid budget for mailers. We had some paid budget for sort of traditional, I guess, or I guess quote unquote traditional digital media now. So Facebook ads, uh, we had a huge email list. I think at one point we were sending out people, I think it was like 80,000 or 85,000 on the email list. Wasn't small. Um, and then we were, essentially then trying to find influencers that aligned with both their mission and the theme of the event, which was around sports. And so going into it, the assumption was that we have this huge list. We have some money around mailers. We have some money around social media. We've done these things before. That's what's going to drive signups, purchases of this and, and newsletter signups. And so they did a couple rounds of the, what they had normally or usually done. And then they did, um, you know, a, a quick round of about, I think, four or five posts from some influencers that we brought in. And so very quickly, we saw a couple of things happen. One is that nothing that they thought was going to drive performance did. Mailers didn't work. Uh, emails didn't necessarily. I mean, they, were, they saw some traction, but it didn't drive nearly as much as when we measured and did social media just generally just with influencers. And so that was sort of a big aha moment for them because they saw, wow, well, we have some remaining budget in these other areas. We could easily optimize and allocate it to them. So I think that was, or, or not even need to spend it depending on um, sort of the performance. So that was a big aha moment sort of at the beginning of the campaign. And then as we started to focus more and more and brought more influencers in, we started to see what worked and what didn't. So there was one influencer in particular that was posting sort of every other Thursday and the first few Thursdays, gangbusters. I mean, like hundreds of, of people to the new website, dozens and dozens of, of uh, registrations and, and newsletter signups and, and then some purchases too. So, I mean, we saw a direct correlation between that. And then the third Thursday that he posted, we didn't see nearly as much lift. And so we were kind of looking at why. And so we noticed that, okay, well, he didn't post on Instagram that time. He posted on Facebook he didn't use certain imagery that he did in some of the other ones. And he, he was talking more about um, the, you know, the specific event, not necessarily how it interwove with him personally. It was much more around like a direct appeal. So we took that as like, okay, interesting insight. Let's test this type of image on Instagram because it seems to be his better performing platform and make sure that the language that we use is a little bit more in line with some integration around his voice and his authenticity, not necessarily like go to this website and sign up now and performance was back up. And so over this entire process, we saw that influencers did a great job of doing what we wanted them to do. We saw that through data that if we optimized which platforms we worked on and how we worked on those platforms, it drove even better results. And ultimately at the end of the campaign, not only was their first ever digital event a success, which then they repeated and have repeated, and it's now going to be a, 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 a formula for other um, uh, chapters in, across the nation for them. Um, but I mean, their cost ratios were way down because they measured what they did for each channel and were efficient that way. And I think they're, they're, they hit their fundraising goal by like 300% or something like that. So all because that they saw which, which channels of marketing were driving performance. They ultimately, was, it was influencer marketing. Um, and, and ultimately figured out which types of messaging and which types of content over time um, drove the highest performance for them. That's so interesting. And I love that that you can sort of pivot in the middle of it once you've seen what works and what doesn't work. So 
again, the corollary for like a direct mail campaign, like once it's out, it's out. <laughs> you're, there's no, you know, you, if you learned anything, you get to use it a year from now when you're going to do your next campaign, right? And this is something where you can learn from it immediately and recorrect and, and, and turn, turn that into whatever you need to turn it into. That's a great story. I love that. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this was really, really interesting. Um, we will put your contact information up in the show notes. Um, so anybody wants to reach out to Nick or needs to know more about Kaleidoscope IO, they can go there to get contact information. Um, thanks a lot, Nick. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.